Hello, my name is Thomas. Welcome to British Culture Albion Never Dies. I am recording this on Bank Holiday Monday, a special bank holiday for the coronation of King Charles III. If you listen to my previous episode, you'll know that I took some annual leave on Friday so I could take a bus from Yorkshire down to London, which takes uh, five hours on a good day. It can take up to seven hours. Stayed in a hotel, got up early, and... Uh, full of an English breakfast, I went to Hyde Park in London. And uh, I, I thought it was very, very well done, the organisation. I'm told by others that they might have been a little bit overwhelmed by the numbers. The media, in the week up to it, had been talking about, well, does King Charles really have the full swell of support? Um, you know, there, there was a lot of reports one way or the other that I have to say on the day. The streets were packed, absolutely packed. The mall had filled up. Uh, many many tube stops were were closed uh, for crowd control measures. Certain exits were closed. You were directed and funneled and so on. So I ended up in Hyde Park watching on the big screens. Yes, in the pouring rain, uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. And uh, as I say, there were, there were questions in the week rolling up about whether this coronation should, for example, be modernised for this modern world we live in, uh, which always seems a little funny to me because. Uh, it's a 1,000-year-old dynasty, I mean, more or less. You could trace uh, the king's lineage back to William the Conqueror, and that's how you normally do it, from 1066 onwards. Uh, William, of course, was crowned king uh, on uh, Christmas Day, 1066. Um, but, of course, uh, his children intermarried uh, with the old Anglo-Saxon royal family. So, in fact, uh, the current royal family's lineage can go back even further in aspects of the coronation that we saw uh, on Saturday uh, were influenced by the coronation of King Solomon. So really going back a very long way indeed. This was mentioned in uh, quite a few places. It had me reaching for my copy of the King James Bible, which is the translation actually being used in the coronation. And uh, for this, you go to the first book of Kings, chapter 1, when uh, King David was old and stricken in years, if you uh, go along in chapter one to uh, let's see verse, uh, let's say verse thirty-two. I'll, I'll I'll read through it and then comment on some of the connections that I saw of uh, the coronation I just saw. So, chapter one, verse thirty-two of the uh, Book of Kings. And King David said, "Call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet." and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and cause Solomon, my son, to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel. And blow ye with a trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. And then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my stead, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. The Lord God of my Lord the king say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord, King David.
So Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites went down, and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule, and brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took an horn of oil out of the tabernacle, and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so the earth rent with the sound of them. That is the uh, the Bible, uh, the book of Kings 1, uh, chapter 1, and I finished at verse 40. And there's lots of... Uh, Lots of points of comparison between the uh, the coronation of Solomon and the coronation of King Charles III. For example, uh, the oil and the anointing, um, and the fact that this is a heavily religious ceremony. So for all the talk before the coronation of King Charles III, uh, people were talking about updating it to reflect modern Britain. But it was a very, very Christian and very Church of England service. In fact, if you listen to uh, a previous episode I did where I asked what is a Church of England service, I think you'd have recognised many, many, many of those elements, whilst there were other faith leaders present there. Uh, for example, uh, the head of the Greek Orthodox Church, in recognition of uh, King Charles's father, who was, of course, Prince of Greece. So I'd say there were huge, huge numbers of... Uh, Points of comparison uh, between what I saw and here, the description of the uh, crowning of Solomon. So I was very struck by how traditional it was, and that, that does seem right to me. The crown is there for consistency. And it was a great day. Uh, the people, I say, were definitely joyful. It was a very, very jolly, jolly occasion. One source of my jolliness, however, is always Private Eye magazine, which has a historic souvenir issue, uh, and the front cover just says, Man in hat sits on chair, <laughs> with a confirmation this royal joke is 100% recycled. Private Eye, of course, is the satirical magazine in the UK, although, see, perhaps unlike Mad Magazine, uh, possible equivalent in the US, Private Eye does have, as the title suggests, deep investigative research and is often ahead of some of the main papers. It also goes deep into local news from around the UK, so local government, uh, and we just had our local government elections here in the UK. Uh, local government is focused on much more heavily than most of the national papers. And about, as I say, a lot of investigative research is here interspersed with jokes. It's a good combination and... Uh, covers them drawing legal cases. <laughs> um, one of their long, long, long-running pieces is, of course, on King Charles back when he was uh, Prince of Wales. I think they covered, well, his first marriage, his second marriage with uh, Heir of Troubles and so on by Dame Sylvie Crin. Uh, now Dame Hedda Shoulders <laughs> has taken over uh, with the title, The King of Troubles. So I'll just read out a, a little excerpt from this, as uh, it always brightens up my day. The story so far. The moment of destiny for which Charles has waited his entire life is nearly upon him. Now, read on. Boo! Not my king! The cry echoed around the hallowed walls of Westminster Abbey. Down with the monarchy! 
Get a job, you freeloading, overdressed Nancy boy. What on earth are you doing, Sir Alan? King Charles inquired testily. Sir Alan Fitztightly ran up and down the empty nave, hurling anti-royalist invective at his soon-to-be-crowned king. It's all part of the rehearsal, sire, explained the royal Kool-Aid de Camp. We have to prepare for all eventualities, and that includes protests in all its forms. At that point, Sir Alan threw an egg at his monarch's head, and Charles only just ducked in time as it whistled past the bowler hat full of flour, which the king was wearing to simulate the weight of the imperial leather crown. You don't have to do it with all such enthusiasm, Sir Alan, Charles complained. Anyone would think you were enjoying it. Not at all, my liege, and well ducked, if I may say so, if the egg had connected with a flower in your hat, we could have had a, a bake-off situation. Charles had rarely seen his chief egg query and lieutenant of the Listerine so happy in his work. I'll stop there. Uh, the Private Eye Specialist you is uh, out now, and all the good news agents, and uh, you can read highlights of it online. I thoroughly enjoy it, as I have thoroughly enjoyed this weekend. As I, say, I went down to London, I stayed with family, nattered uh, to my nana, uh, who at 97 is part of the 1% of the population who has adult memories of the previous uh, coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, and she recalls seeing it. I think uh, on a friend's television, the friend had rented it uh, for the occasion, and uh, so she recalls seeing it there. Not much more to add, as I was just a social occasion, time with family, um, although I do have many more family photos, and uh, of course my grandfather's cinefilm of Cyprus back in the 50s, which you'll be seeing more and more of on my YouTube. I have a, a YouTube review of a James Bond book coming up, which will be uh, on my YouTube channel possibly this week, if I can manage it. And this review is of an official continuation novel, which has somebody I know, or somebody I knew, um, as a character in the book. It's a real person who appears as a character. I knew this person, this person knew me, and I was greatly surprised uh, to read of his, well, I hesitate to say starring role, let's say star turn. Uh, but that'll be in the YouTube review, probably coming up this Friday, if I can manage it. And there'll be a little bit of my grandfather's cinefilm there, and, uh, well, I've got a great deal more, a great deal more to clip together. Actually, you know what? I think there's a couple more things I do need to mention. First of all, at the coronation, it was full of people from all over the world, including China. So uh, great to break out my Chinese. <laughs> and uh, one of the pictures I put on Instagram, there was a, a Chinese girl waiting to take a picture by something. So I just offered her in Chinese if she wanted some help. And so I took her picture and of course she returned the favor. And so that's how that photo was uh, taken. And uh, the second thing, was there's uh, I was wandering along on my way home and I saw a shop that was open, uh, open on the coronation day. It's pretty unusual. I wasn't sure at first, but it was a shop where I get my shaving soap. Uh, it's called G.O.F. Trumper. I think quite a lot of people might know this as a James Bond brand. Uh, I think it's mentioned in the books. They have a aftershave Eucharist that's mentioned in the books. And then I came across it when Skyfall came out and there's a shaving scene and the, the wooden bowl i think it's early in the days when we're connecting with the online bond community and as some somehow has pointed towards the wooden shaving bowl so i thought 
give it a go. I'll try it. It's only a wooden bowl and so on. I actually really, really liked it. You know, if, if something's in bond, I don't mind trying it. And uh, and if I like it, cool, it stays. If I don't, it goes. Uh, this is one thing that really, really stayed is I do like their shaving soap. Um, lasts me really well. And I just like it. Anyway, I'm, they're not sponsored. <laughs> they're not sponsoring this podcast, by the way. But it's just that uh, they were open. I went in a bit sheepish at first because I really wasn't sure if they were open. But they're fantastic hosts. Um, gave me all the freebies, all the testers. <laughs> were really, really nice. And uh, and gave me some really nice whiskey. So it's not bad to go into a, a soap shop and <laughs> be given some really nice whiskey. Um, so they were fantastic hosts. And uh, I said it was a day pouring with rain, so it was actually really nice to, to shelter in their shop. Shelter in a shaving foam shop. Sorry, shelter in a shaving soap shop, as I see it. I know they're, they're, they're uh, an aftershave shop, really, but uh, it's the shaving soap I go for. Anyway, a bit of a tongue twister there. Better head off to bed. Good night. <laughs>